Hello everyone, you are listening to Black Adoptees Identities. I am your host, Christelle Pellicure, and I am a coach and a multidisciplinary creative. Please join me to explore what identity means for adult adoptees and how they form their identity for their own adoption journey. In this podcast, you will hear a variety of views from adult adoptees about their own experience of adoption and how adoption has impacted them and what lessons they have learned along the way. Please note that the guests have been courageous in sharing their stories and some of the content and subject matters can be emotionally challenging and distressing for some individuals. Please use your own judgment whether to continue to listen or not and do look after yourself. And if you are affected by some of the issues discussed, please seek appropriate support and help. In this episode, I am in conversation with Isaiah James from America. We discuss how he navigates his adoption and identity, his reunion with his birth family, and his relationship with both birth family and adoptive parents post the reunion. Welcome to Black Adoptees Identities. I am Christelle Pellecure and I am so happy to welcome Isaiah James with us today. Isaiah is a transracial adoptee, a jack of many trades. He has been on a journey of self-healing and discovery. He left his adoptive home at the age of 19 as he didn't fit in and didn't feel compelled to stay. He traveled his home country, which is United States of America, and even stopped over to Europe to discover, meet, and learn about his biological family. Unfortunately, reunification wasn't so easy, and those relationships have been put on pause. He now focuses on his physical fitness, creativity, with photography, videography, editing, and evening dancing, whilst also sharing his adoptive experience online to help other adoptees. Isa, I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. <laughs> thank you for coming. Uh, I know I've just literally introduced you, but I would love you to share with your own world a little bit more about your background, uh, where you've been adopted from, what age, uh, and anything you'd like to share with us. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I was adopted um, just before my first birthday. Um, I was adopted into a white family. Um, they had two adopt. Well, they actually had four kids before me. They had two foster kids that were um, given back to their biological mother, and then they adopted my two sisters maybe a year, a year and a half before me. So, yeah, I have two adopted sisters that I grew up with um, from the state of Wisconsin. Um, so I grew up partly in Wisconsin, partially in Texas. Yeah, right. The whole idea with um this show is around talking about identity so how does adoption for you as i affected your identity how did you and how did you go through that journey yeah good question um adoption has shaped my identity in a very i guess non-linear way mm-hmm. um 
you know, growing up with white parents, it was really tough for them to have race relations. So on a racial side, I mean, it, I didn't realize fully that I was black in the world until like I introduced one of my friends to my parents and he just was like, wow, your parents are like really white and you're like black. And I was just like, yes, this is this is true. <laughs> we had talked about it at home, but it was just like an at-home conversation of you're brown, we're white. Um, and it wasn't until that time when a friend pointed it out that like I realized other people could see the difference too. How else has it shaped my identity? It's really placed me in like an unknown sort of state for much of my life. Like I, I didn't know if it was a natural feeling that I was having or a natural part of who I was or something that I was supposed to be because that's what my adopters would have liked or wanted to see or wanted to hear. Um, so it's been a little bit of a, a long discovery, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, it, it is always, it's a, I, I always say it's a long time journey, this identity discovering and all self-discovery yeah. to be, <laughs> to be fair. But in terms of, um, because you say you were adopted, it's a transracial adoption, so you were raised in a white family. Did you get any support in terms of finding out who you are, your own identity, your own culture? Um, did they have support helping you to find your black side, I suppose? Um, or was it you are completely left into the white environment and it was up to you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, it was uh, interesting growing up. Uh, my adopted parents were very, you know, vocally supportive of me finding my adopt or my biological parents, I should say. Um, and it was much easier, it seemed, for them to just say that, especially when uh, myself and my sisters were kids. Um, but once I actually started taking action towards wanting to find them and finding my uh, biological parents, now, I really sh saw a shift in the way that they uh, um, felt about the situation and the way that they, you know, even began to withdraw support for that sort of um, journey that I was on because it was not something that they really wanted once they realized that, oh, he would actually be, you know, leaving our nest to go find uh, um, himself or go land in somebody else's nest. So, you know, it was... Mm, Unfortunately, really a lonely journey when I started to find um, my biological parents, even though I thought it would be more of a supportive and group effort. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> mm. And how did you how did you go about uh, to find your family and how was the reunion? And I know in the introduction, I say it didn't go quite to plan. Uh, can right. you share a little bit more about that? I can. Um, so finding my biological mother was much easier, I would say. Um, my parents were, or adoptive parents were supportive in that um, initial contact. We would write each other letters. Um, we would send them to the agency. The agency would send them to her. She would read and write back. So it was like a three-way system. And they were very comfortable with that. And I was too um my biological mother was going to head over to Europe to work for the uh, government and so uh when we first started talking that was happening in her world so we kind of rushed to meet because I wasn't going to go overseas to meet her um for the first time at least um so yeah my parent or 
adoptive parents were supportive in that initial meeting and so we met when I was mm, maybe 16 15 16 mm -hmm. still pretty young um and so that initial contact was like very supportive once I wanted to like keep in contact with her and like go visit her or learn about my siblings or learn about more of her life that's when they started to recede and they're like oh it's not just like an initial you know interest and you're not going to come back to us full time and then my father there is kind of a long story so I don't know how I'll share it all but um there was really no support um when it came to his side of the family you know my adoptive parents didn't want anything didn't want to be a part of that journey with me they I don't want to say they didn't want me to meet him but um there was really no support. I asked all of my family members if they would come with me to go meet him for the first time. And they all were like, no. Um, and that was really challenging because again, I was like, I thought this would be more of a group effort. And, you know, repeatedly I had to tell my adoptive family, I'm not leaving you guys forever. I'm not abandoning you guys. I'm not changing in families. I'm not hoping for something better than you guys. Uh, I think I'm just searching for part of who I am and part of my family. And I would love for you guys to be a part of that journey with me. Um, and unfortunately, they always declined and I really had to do it on my own. So I found my dad on a dating website. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he had uh, an initial contact years before I contacted him on the dating site, but it's a very long story um so I'll just pick up at that point I was working out one day and I was like I think I'm ready to um discuss this prior meeting that we had had just very briefly I was 17 18 when I reached back out but our first initial contact which wasn't through him it was through his mom so my grandmother was back when I was in eighth grade um and I didn't know that I had met them um it was one of those sort of things so um <laughs> yeah picking back up uh, I was working out and I was like I think I'm ready to go back and kind of discuss with them what happened and kind of pick up from that point so yeah I was working out and I was like until you find them on the internet you're not going to leave this gym and I was like okay well we could be here for a while um but it actually didn't take that long it only took about like 30 45 minutes and I had found him sent him a message and then I just waited. I was like, okay, I guess we're just waiting. And I didn't know if he used that account actively, how long it had been up there. I just messaged the account and um, he responded. And uh, we started writing emails back and forth. And then a few months later, I went to his place up in the Pacific Northwest and met him, my grandmother who I'd met back in eighth grade and my grandfather for the first time. And how did you go with that reunion, both of your mother, birth mother and your birth father? At first, it was pretty good. You know, I felt like a really nice honeymoon phase, I guess, mm -hmm. for a family sort of reunion. Um, I was very quiet, I will say that. Um, very non-vocal about what my questions were or really why I was coming around I was just kind of like smiling like oh I'm just happy to be here which <laughs> you know it's very very true I was very happy to be there and I am still very happy that I was there um, but I definitely had questions about you know what happened um, that uh, resulted in me being adopted 
Um, I definitely wanted to know if they were sorry for that. Um, I definitely wanted to know what they were going to do to not make it up to me, but make it right. Um, but I was really, really quiet. I didn't really want to rock the boat. I didn't want to disturb anyone's peace. I wasn't sure where they were at in their journey, which looking back, I'm like, that was none of your concern. Like, don't worry about where they're at. And you were there because you wanted to meet them and have questions. And so... Yeah, I mean, it was a honeymoon phase until it wasn't, and it was over when I started to get uncomfortable, <laughs> um, or just couldn't stand the discomfort of not speaking up when I was um, in times of uncomfortability. Um, my adoptive home life wasn't perfect, so I tried to, you know, say that before I say this. Um, some of the home life aspects of being with my biological parents weren't um very comfortable for me and I didn't know how to express that in a true and proper way and so I would stay really quiet and I wouldn't really say anything and then um in both relationships I just reached a point where I just kind of snapped and popped and everything that I had held back for at that point which each of them was several years just kind of unraveled and came up all at once which was um, a hard conversation for me to have with my mom um, because she felt like I had been judging her for four or five years at that point um, and for me I was like no I'm not judging you I just I have concerns I have questions mm. I have things that I want to say and she's like well you haven't been you know vocal with me about that and so you know from that perspective I do own that mistake and i would definitely do um i would definitely be more vocal if i got a chance to do that relationship again on my father's side we just went immediately just blocked each other like uh, <laughs> i went off on him he responded back and i think i blocked him initially and then i unblocked him and then tried to message and then saw that he blocked me and i was like that's fine with me um, and that was maybe two years ago, going into the third. Um, and so I have not talked or seen him since. We haven't had a chance to reconcile what happened. He was described to me as a, a very vocal, very fun, very outgoing person by all of his family members. And I was like, great, cool, exciting. But when I met him, he was very quiet very reserved very to himself which is fine his form of communication with me came through like text messages and not just like hey how are you doing what's going on like it would be like links to like video youtube videos or like books or like an article and these aren't like short books or short articles these would be like hundreds of pages long and i would just be like are you reading any of this stuff? Because it <laughs> and he'd be like, no. And I'm like, so why are you sending it to me? And um, it wasn't just like once a day. It was at its peak when I snapped. It was seven to eight times a day. Oh, I would get mm. different links to totally different things. And again, he wasn't reading them himself. At first, I would like read them and I would like respond back and he would like kind of respond back and I'd be like, I don't think he's actually like reading this stuff. Um <laughs> <laughs> and then I eventually I just asked and he was like no and so I was just like don't send me stuff if that's not like I, I just I couldn't wrap my hand and I still don't know what he was trying to do or what he was trying to get up by sending me 
random links and you know i would talk to his family members and they would all say the same thing yes he does that to me too i just kind of put up with it um it is who it is it is who he is and um at first i was quiet and i was like okay i'll deal with it it's who he is. <laughs> but then as i got more and more uncomfortable and i was like if you always stay quiet you're never nothing's ever going to change um i was like I just I shifted you know I was just like if I don't like it don't let it keep happening it to you and um I guess that didn't really jive with him and so we had a falling out over text message links which is kind of sad yeah (laughs) it is what it is I mean Mm, the how is that because I mean a lot of people want to win it that reunion to be able to be much closer mm-hmm. to their family but the fact that you didn't get much from either your mother or your father's side how has that affected you as as a person is that created more open some more for your wounds i would say or is that how have you managed um, to to deal with this somehow yeah um at a certain point with both parents i started to feel like i was opening pandora's box and the more questions that I was having answered, the more questions that I was just having in general, and the more emotions and the more unrest, I guess you could say, in, in my heart and in my head just started to unravel. And I was just like, oh my gosh, if I am I ever gonna be like in a well state of mind where I'm not like constantly thinking about 20 different aspects of my family and how do I just like let that go? sorry you asked how did that affect me yeah as a person yeah I suppose your identity how does that affected your identity again because you are there trying to find yourself going to to meet your family hoping that you know finally you're gonna know who you are (laughs) right right um you know eventually I just had to start putting myself first and that started with being vocal um and laying boundaries down and holding those boundaries um, so as a person, you know, I I did get to spend four or five years with my mom and I lived in the same city. I actually lived at my dad's house. He didn't live there, but um, he let me stay at his house. And before living there, I lived there for a year, sorry, and before that, two years. So four or five years with my mom, about three years knowing my dad. It was really like looking in the mirror, to be honest. Um, it was strange I mean like I'm looking at people who like look like me and then they do certain things and I'm like I do that (laughs) (laughs) and I'm just like are these people like stealing my personality and it's like no you technically took theirs um so yeah (laughs) so I mean it was and it is like calming in the spirit to know that you know I'm not weird or strange or you know crazy for no reason you know I do get that from somebody Mm -hmm. um sometimes I you know catch myself being like there's a negative like looking at them and then looking at myself and trying to like pick out you know positive or negative traits and trying to like eliminate the negative um which is probably not the healthiest thing to do but um (laughs) (laughs) um yeah in the form of identity I'm still like putting the pieces together on this one I'll be honest uh definitely helped but it's still coming together. I would very much say that confidently. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and what has um, helped you in, in the past in trying to to find where you are to be more comfortable about where you are as a person? What has helped you? What has really helped? Holding the boundaries, um, uh, keeping the boundaries that I have set up for a reason, um, and then really allowing myself to just experience who I am, you know, because um, my adoptive parents, yeah, I mean, like growing up in my adoptive family, uh, being who I was, which was me discovering who I was, was not really encouraged um, in the sense of it always was like a bother or like was always a problem or you talk too much, you ask too many questions, you're too this, you're too that, just be this mold of a son that we think we've adopted um and so you know seeing that living that experience and then going and seeing who my family was and seeing who my parents are and being like oh wow like everything that I was like I don't want to say demonized for but like punished and like you know told not to be is is really just naturally who I'm going to be and so it's been a lot of unlearning, a lot of um, forgiving of myself for turning away from my true identity. And it's not been easy. Like, uh, it's an everyday journey of having to, you know, subconsciously look in the mirror when I go out into the world and be like, that's who you are. Like, no matter what anybody else says, no matter what anybody else thinks or is talking about, like, that is who you are and you have to learn to love and accept and and be brave and confident and bold in who you are because you know unfortunately you really can't change um who you are even if you do get adopted and your whole name gets changed and your whole like background gets wiped out you know who you are is is who you are so yeah, yeah. like you say it's a lot of unlearning and relearning and it's <laughs> it seems to be like and not ending and i think most adoptive will agree with that that it's a lot of process yeah. of unlearning a lot yeah. every day every and day. did you have a name change or because you mentioned um, that, you know having to change your identity or did you keep your birth name i kept my birth name um i was going to be called something else but my birth mother had requested that they keep the name isaiah that i have mm. uh, so yeah only my last name was changed okay yeah but it is something that I want to change again. I would like to, in the future, um, drop my adoptive parents' last name mm -hmm. and move my middle name to my last name at some point. <laughs> yeah. But it does, it does actually affect people's identity. I, I mean, names is so important uh, in a way of identifying a person. So, right. yeah. And what's your relationship with your adoptive family now? Pretty still... quiet. Um, it's still pretty quiet. You know, um, once I left um, their home, I can't believe it was when I was 19 because I was pretty early. But, um, <laughs> I mean, once I left, you know, I was uh, it just started slowly to recede from um, that side of family, you know, um, and I just kind of. My mindset was do what's best for you. Mm. Um, and that just put me on a track of do what you need to be doing. Look out for yourself. You know, see what type of people they are when the thing that they bought doesn't come and give them instant gratification. 
And I didn't know why I wanted to do that or why that was my mindset. But, you know, over time, I really was like, oh, wow, like they say they want these things from me. But if I stay away, they're really not coming and um, looking for me. They're really not coming and uh, placing themselves in front of me. And it's just kind of been like that. You know, occasionally there are texts. I hardly ever respond. And a lot, a lot of it is just due to the fact that they shut down who I was when I was a kid didn't accept that I was the way that I was, that I was gay, that I am, you know, attracted to sports and feminine activities, which are one and the same, you know, questioning where I came from was something that was not okay with them, but it was like, you can't (laughs) love me and deny the source of where I came from. You know, you can't have, in their situation everything you know you do have to you know it's a two-way street and there were other instances that had happened when we were growing up that they just they don't want to revisit they don't want to talk about they don't even want to open up about and so you know I was just like I think I'm better off loving that they gave me better life than what I would have had but I don't need to stay around people who you know are very selective with their love and their acceptance and what they will and will not allow. Um, that's that's conditional love. That's the uh, what it is. Yeah, <laughs> it <laughs> is <think>. very conditional. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think again, a lot of adoptees talk about love, and that's why they say they need. You know, it's not just about love because. Sometimes that love is very conditional. It's, you know, all adoptees are not always receiving unconditional love. And right. yeah, that's um that's also quite difficult to navigate for your own identity because you know it's in your case you are left by yourself in a way because it you know you've left your adoptive parents and you also not in so much reunion of your birth family. So and yeah. that part of the a lot of the issue that I sometimes struggle that who's taking accountability for you know I know we are adult now but still <laughs> we can look at ourselves but who's taking accountability of putting children in a space where at some point nobody's going to take accountability um, for that child who eventually will become an adult and will struggle with all the issue related to that that yeah. I still struggle with that because like what you're saying is very true. And um, in my situation, lucky to have, you know, adoptive parents who are alive and biological parents who are alive. I'm like, how do I have four parents? And then I'm sitting in the middle all by myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't have one who was like, I'll take accountability for the part that like I messed up in mm-hmm. to be with you because you are my child and because I love you. Yeah. Like sometimes I just I feel really unlucky. I'm like, how did you end up with like, Four parents and yet you have none you know um and sometimes I think maybe I should cave on my boundaries and just let them walk over me or be disrespectful to me or maybe I'll just turn off a part of my identity to you know have them around or have some parent form around to feel that comfortability um and to feel that acceptance and I really had to always take a step back whenever those thoughts come up and be like but do you really want to give up, you know, part of who you are? Do you really want to give up the progress that you've made just to have a parental figure who is going to do an okay job at best? 
<laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of respect for you for standing up for yourself because I, I know that, you know, a lot of a lot of us in our journey, we've, um, we've allowed other people to work over us and dictate who we are as a person and our identity yeah. and, you know, become so small and let other people decide who you, we are. And I think for you to stand up and say, actually, no, I want to be my own person even though I am by myself, I think that is a, a very brave act for you to do that. So respect. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank respect. you. Yeah, it's not easy. Though. I will say that. It's not easy. Not yeah. Easy. I always ask my guests one final question, which is what would you tell your younger self? What advice would you tell your younger self or even a younger a young adoptee uh, that was still feeling confused about who they are, their identity, what advice would you tell them? Hmm. <laughs> what would I tell them? What would I tell myself? I mean, you're like, I would, I would just be honest with myself. And I would just say, look, the energy that you have inside for the things that you're passionate about, or the things that you love, or the things that you're drawn to, those aren't really going to go away and you know, that's not going to change and those passions and those desires and those curiosities aren't going to just magically disappear one day they're going to keep following you around every day of your life and you can either <laughs> turn and start to accept them and embrace them and love the aspects that are lovable about them or they will just keep chasing you around and you'll feel a little crazy <laughs> Um, or feeling out of place or feeling like you don't know what you belong to or don't know what you're doing with your life. So it would probably just be easier for you to accept yourself <laughs> and start loving yourself and um, moving forward with that in mind. No, yeah, that's great advice. I mean, that's that's self-love is yeah. a real struggle <laughs> it's again another life journey that a lot of us have to go through and you know learning to be comfortable with who you, we are and loving ourselves because at the end of the day nobody else can do it for us so we need to do it <laughs> yeah thank you yeah well thank you so much for your time and sharing thank your you journey are. for this adoption your your family reunion and the ups and down and um i wish you all the luck for the Thanks. future and before you go where can because i know in the, my introduction as i did say that you are sharing your journey online as well so where can people find you um they can mostly find me on instagram isaiah.james mm -hmm. okay. that's where i am i also work with two adoptee run accounts um rewriting adoption on instagram as well and then the account uh, so you have been adopted as well um okay. we do like monthly meetups or we're trying to do monthly meetups and yeah instagram pretty much <laughs> okay amazing well we'll we will find you there thank you so much for your time and for being so open and sharing with me thank you thank you this is christelle pedicure and you have been listening to Black Adoptees' Identities, where Black adult adoptees share their stories. Please do share and subscribe to our podcast and do stay connected with us by following us on Instagram at Black Adoptees' Identities. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and until next time, goodbye.